0: Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. I'm really excited for today's show because we are getting real. We are going to talk about entrepreneurial mental health. Today, I'm welcoming in Shulamit Baer-Levtov. Shulamit is the Entrepreneur's Therapist and co-founder of Business Therapy Center. Using both coaching and therapeutic tools, she works with women business owners who want to develop, implement, and be accountable for their mental health plan so they can show up fully as their CEO self in their businesses. I'm really excited to discuss her important work and how you can put her advice to use in your own business. And in full transparency here, even though Shulamit works with women in her own businesses, this podcast episode is for everyone. We talk a lot on the podcast around things like business strategy, insider tips on retail, buyer pitches, and and the like, all things wholesale-related. But this episode will be really special because we're going to have a chance to focus on taking care of one of our biggest assets, ourselves. In this show, we will learn Shulamit's seven factors of entrepreneurial vulnerability to mental health challenges. And we're going to discuss each of these factors. How do they affect our ability to create a thriving business? And how can we mitigate their impact? So let's get right into it. I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind-the-scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Wiz podcast to give you hard-to-access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. Before we get into this episode, I want to invite you to increase your revenue with us in the next 30 days with our September sales sprint. We've all heard the messaging right now, control your costs and secure your supply chain. But what about that other side of running your business? That is ensuring that cash is still coming in. That is exactly what we're focusing on inside of Retail Ready in September with our sales sprint. Join us inside of Retail Ready and you'll get access to four weeks of bonus calls and our additional support outlining a doable, realistic plan to help you keep that cash coming in. Ready to join us just in time for our September sales sprint? If you already know all about Retail Ready and you are ready to leap in, find our enrollment page and FAQs linked directly in the show notes. If you want more information about everything that's included inside of Retail Ready, watch our intro masterclass on growing your packaged food business, and you'll be invited to take the next step with us inside of Retail Ready. Find both in the show notes, as well as our full course outline, and then we'll see you at our September sales sprint. Hi, Shieldmate. Thank you so much for coming on the Food Biz Wiz podcast.
1: Hi, Allie. I'm so delighted that we're doing this.
0: Me too. I feel like it took a few months in the making and I'm glad we're actually sitting down to record. So thank you. Thank you for yes. being here.
1: Well, good things are worth waiting for. Are they not?
0: Oh, oh, I love that. I love that phrase. Yes. So we've been waiting a long time and it's a big important topic that we're going to talk about today. So let's mm-hmm. let's do it. Um, I talked a little bit about you in our intro, but I would love for our listeners to hear it straight from your mouth. So you've been an entrepreneur for over 27 years. You have more than 22 years of experience supporting women's mental health and personal growth. So thank you for bringing it to the show today. And I I want our listeners to know how you currently work with entrepreneurs.
1: Right. So I'm the Entrepreneur's Therapist. And what I've come to discover is that, well, this is, let me roll myself back a bit. As we know, what we focus on is what grows, right?
0: Mm.
1: Yes. And that's as true about mental health as it is about anything else. It's just any kind of quote unquote fitness, right? That what you cultivate grows. And- I know that women entrepreneurs and business owners are concerned for their mental health and concerned for self-care. There's a lot of talk about it. And at the same time, there are so many risks to mental health inherent in entrepreneurship. And so working with the women entrepreneurs that I have in my practice, I discovered that having a plan, Mm. just like you have your 90-day goals for business, you have your 90-day goals for your mental health, and then you set up your uh, big three for the week, and then you check in. And to have that kind of account of plan and accountability, that structure around your mental health is really beneficial. Uh, And that's so when I work with women entrepreneurs, that's what we, that's where we start Mm -hmm. is we build a mental health plan and then we uh, set up a structure for implementation and accountability.
0: But the other half of this. Yeah, keep going. I'm, you are speaking my language here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The other half of the story is that even though we might start with a plan, As you know, uh, running a business can be a shit show, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes people just need a place to be like, holy crap, like I'm hanging on for dear life. And, you know, so that's the other half of the work. We start with a plan, but
0: there's also the emotional support involved as well. Yeah, yes. When you say it, it seems so obvious, right? Like you're right. We do have a business plan. We have our sales strategy. We have our quarterly planning, but what about a mental health plan it
1: and the, it seems so obvious it does seem obvious and you're it, like in, if you think in terms of your business assets right what is your business's greatest asset let's say it's that great big piece of equipment in the kitchen right in your beautiful yeah. shiny industrial kitchen you are not going to neglect that piece of equipment because if it goes down your whole shop goes down right yes. But even more important than your most precious piece of equipment, of course, is you yourself. And if you go down, um, you know, good businesses have uh, support for the owner so that the owner doesn't have to be in the business every day. But regardless, if you go down, your business is going to be affected. And so you're really the number one. uh, I hate to use the term piece of equipment, but you really are the business. Your business's greatest asset. So precious and so important.
0: And, Uh, you know, yes, that analogy. I mean, you bring me back to my days as a grocery buyer. And I think about the weekly and monthly maintenance checks that we did on our walk-in refrigerators, on our freezers, on our meat slicers. I mean, all of those things, we literally had it printed out and everyone had to go through the weekly or monthly check and initial Mm -hmm. off when they did it. You are blowing my mind here and we're only 90 (laughs) seconds in. Why, why don't I have a a weekly and monthly maintenance check for my most valuable asset in my business? Because we don't think of ourselves
1: as humans in our business. We don't. Yeah, we we just don't look at the human side of business. That's the world we live in. And so we go to the incubator, we go to the, um, you know, the investor, we go to the training programs, we go to business school and none of those take into account the human aspect of the actual business owner you might talk some about hr and how right. you treat your employees uh and in fact in some cases there's more of a plan for employee wellness than there is for the for the owner wellness right we just don't look at ourselves as the human um the human side of business and how we're affected by that
0: yes okay who so, I've got two things before we dive in. Two questions before we dive into the the meat of our episode here. First off, I know that you work directly with women, but mm-hmm. I want to I want to clarify here if someone is listening to this episode and who doesn't identify as a woman, is this is this still going to be relevant for that listener? Sure. So,
1: Uh, everybody who's listening to this show is an entrepreneur and they understand Mm -hmm. marketing, right? And so in my marketing language, (laughs) I speak to women. However, and and I I am a feminist and I do have an anti-oppressive lens. If someone who doesn't consider themselves a woman looks through my stuff, like let's say straight up cis hat dude, you know, looks through my stuff and says, but I still really want to work with her. Then like, Be my guest. Yes. I would be happy.
0: Great. Great. I love that. Well, because then you you know that you've attracted that audience who connects deeply with your values and your messaging, anyways, right? So they can come and join that woman focused group because they're aligned, aligned with values. Okay. So if you are that cis white dude listening to this podcast, we've got we've got lots of takeaways for you as well. Question number two. When you say, mental health what what do you mean like what are we talking about on on the spectrum here
1: so I'm just pausing because you know of course you know because that's why you asked me the question that this is a complex issue Mm. so and while I can't cite you chapter and verse I did I am writing a book on women entrepreneurship and mental health okay and I interviewed, I think it's 36 women entrepreneurs about how they define mental health for themselves, uh, in addition to how they cared for their mental health and what their mental health story was. Okay. So what I would recommend is that uh, folks who really want to dive into this, they can look at the, the interviews I published on my website as a blog series called the Staying Sane Series. And what I appreciated about what these women offered is their take on mental health outside of diagnosis and treatment, which is what I really wanted to get at. Right. And so for example, I was working on some um, social media posts today and I can remember one of the women said it has to do for her with bringing her most every day, but knowing that her most is going to change from day to day. And what does she need to put in place for herself to, to bring the most. So for her mental health is bringing her most. Uh, another woman said that it had to do with being flexible, that for her, her ability to respond flexibly, that when she was less flexible, she knew that her mental health was less well. And when she was more flexible, it was healthier in quotation marks. So everybody has, what was fascinating about this, uh, research is the diversity of lay people's views on mental health. And so, as a in the work that I do, people will sometimes have a diagnosis of depression. They will sometimes Mm -hmm. have a diagnosis of anxiety. And they might, as a CEO, uh, founder, want support for managing those as they show up, as they also, as a human with a diagnosis who's running a business. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's also like just like resilience and mental agility that are mental wellness or mental health aspects that fluctuates according to the stress that we're experiencing. Yes. Right. And so stress resilience or stress management is really the kind of global category of non-diagnosis, non-pathology type support that people need. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are so many ways that running a business can like really make you feel like you don't want to carry on, that you want to burn it down um, that you're, you know, you're chewing your fingernails off. There are so many that you can learn to ride the emotional roller coaster of entrepreneurship in a way that doesn't wreck you. Yeah. So yes. that's kind of the spectrum of what I mean when I say mental health.
0: Great. I can, I totally understand it just because someone doesn't ha- have a particular Diagnosis from a medical professional, they can still be concerned about their, their mental health and well-being. I love that. Great. So let's talk about those seven factors of mental health vulnerability. Can we can we walk through all seven today? Yes. Well, we'll see if we can do it in the time that we have I like to talk. <laughs> Me too. So-, so let's uh let's take it from the top. Tell us what these are and and let's let's jump into the first one. Sure. So
1: I'll list them in in case we don't get to them all. But also um, there will be a link in the show notes with reference to the article where I've laid these all out so that you don't have to take notes as you're listening. If something strikes you, you can just refer to the post. Um, So the seven are isolation. We could call it uncertainty, but really it's VUCA, which is an acronym for volatility, uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity, which we will expand on in a bit. There's uh, the hustle, otherwise known as systems of oppression. Mm-hmm. There are barriers to access to mental health services. There's the tendency to link self-worth to business success. There is a predisposition to mental health challenges that characterizes the segment of the population that tends to become entrepreneurs. And I'm going to leave the secret seventh factor for last.
0: Okay, perfect. You, even as you're saying each of those those main headers here, I'm like, oh, got some of that. Oh, I recognize myself in that. Like, oh, what about number three there? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so so isolation.
1: And but, why I start with isolation is yeah. that's the main thing that most entrepreneurs and most women entrepreneurs cite. Like when I, when I give people the list or when I give these talks in public Mm -hmm. that like the most kind of like, yes, 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 is around isolation. It's the biggest challenge. First of all, there just aren't so many business owners around. They're difficult to encounter. And if you're a woman business owner, even fewer, right? Uh, The kind of isolation that we experience is unique because for example, as a CEO, as a founder, you are most likely surrounded by people. but. You're it's quote unquote, lonely at the top. Mm. You are holding space for all these other people. You are the cheerleader. You're the mentor. You're the boss. You're the one, the visionary, the one who holds it all together for all the other people. It's not appropriate for you to be confiding in them. Right. Right. You might, you might mention, which is, it's important for transparency. I'm not saying that we should be fronting all the time, you know, We might mention that we're not doing so well on a given day, but we're not going to expect other people to hold space for us. We're holding it for them. So at the end of the day, your day has been full of people, and yet there's not one person who is there for you who gets you. Mm -hmm. And being alone in the midst of a crowd can be really difficult.
0: Yeah, that's almost the worst type of loneliness, right? Being surrounded by others and yet still feeling feeling so alone. There's something so... uh, so deep and dark there that that's yeah. really that's a hard emotion to feel.
1: Yes. And of course we have plenty of opportunities like networking to see people, but at networking again, the issue is you want to inspire confidence in others and so one of the things that's very difficult about isolation and that compounds the problem that entrepreneurs face is the concept of impression management where we're concerned that if we show vulnerability that people might not have confidence to do business with us. Ah Right. Right? So in a networking group or with a friend, that's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So who's going to, because who's going to take a risk? Who's going to buy your stuff? If next month you're going to have a breakdown, you're not going to be able to fulfill the order. Yeah. Right. So this kind of impression management isolates us even further because it's an internal, like holding back and isolation of the self, which comes from a good place. Of course, we don't want to bleed all over everybody when it's not appropriate, but it does require um, energy and resources so that when you're in public and you're networking, you're personable and approachable, but you're not vulnerable, right? Yes. So I could, I could go on forever about the qualities of isolation that isolation is a mental health risk for anybody. It's a social determinant of health. Um, being isolated is equivalent to smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, apparently, on your physiological health. Wow. Yeah, wow. So it's a social determinant of health for anyone but especially for entrepreneurs because of the ways in which we experience it.
0: Yes. Oh gosh, I'm sure that so many of our listeners were nodding along as you described isolation. We hear that a lot when when folks come into retail ready. We hear a lot People about People just
1: don't isolation. get it. They just don't get no. what you're at, what you're trying to do. No.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we've got isolation. I'm already taking a deep breath here. I'm like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, be, this, is, this is a big topic. Yeah, it is.
1: And, and I'm just thinking as you um, are saying about taking a breath that maybe there might be somebody on the other end of this who's recognizing this and this is touching them.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And this might be a moment to recognize like no wonder you're feeling the way you're feeling. Right. Just suddenly recognizing the reality of how it is for you and just to be seen like that can be kind
0: of touching. Yeah. Yeah. And and so sweet that the topic is isolation. And yet through a, a podcast, perhaps a listener on the other end is feeling slightly more connected.
1: Yeah. Seen and heard. Yeah. Validated maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. So number two. Number two.
1: VUCA. 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 Sounds like a dance or something,
0: <laughs> it but it does. Stands, it's
1: an acronym that comes from um, management, the like, philosophy of management, and it stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Mm. You could just spell VUCA, B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S,
0: right? <laughs> yes, we could.
1: Because <laughs> it's the nature of running a business yes. that you just never know what's going to happen and the constant cognitive load and the vigilance that's required, uh, to like, everything's just coming at you from all directions, uh, that what it takes is a, it's a demand on your nervous system. It's a demand on your, your cognitive, your, your cognitive capacities. And too much of that is going to be too much for anybody. But again, uh, like the, um, the recent COVID-19 pandemic is a good example. Everybody experienced volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, yes. right? It, it was rapidly changing. We never knew what was happening. It was complicated and difficult to understand. And it was mm-hmm. unclear. Yes. At all times.
0: At all times. And it was exhausting. And it was so we exhausting, <laughs> it was exhausting.
1: Yes. yes. Yes, 100%. And so like, that's the pandemic, but then it's also in your business. That these things happen all the time,
0: right? Yes, and even in the most stable of climates, right? Even without a pandemic, even without supply chain issues, even without you know all the ups and downs, it's still perpetually volatile or yeah. uncertain or complex or ambiguous. Ambiguous, yep. Any and all mm-hmm.
1: of those. So it's a it's a roller coaster ride,
0: yeah, and, and that's exhausting. tough. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, where my brain goes is, yeah, like, no shit, we burn out. All those any one of those words is too much for a person to handle. Mm.
1: So this I'm glad that you said this, because this is one of my primary messages. Mental health challenges are inherent in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. They are an as like, I can't even come up with a better word. I wish I could. They are baked into it. Yeah. So when we have mental health challenges, not if, but when we have mental health challenges, it's not our fault. There is nothing wrong with you if you're having a hard time, if you're struggling. This is the nature of the very demanding work about which we are very passionate. Yeah, But it's not a personal flaw. It's the nature of your working environment.
0: I'm so glad that you said that because something that I've really had to... Work on in the past is when I have had periods of burnout or feeling like it's too much to handle. There's that, that, uh, saboteur voice or that self talk that says like, Oh, Allie, well, you should be able to handle this. Or what does it say about you that you can't get past this busy period? And I've had to do lots and lots of work, um, mainly through, through coaching to quiet that voice and recognize that it's, it's not true. Like you said, it's inevitable that there are challenge challenging periods in our business that are too much for any one person to handle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for validating me there. So what's number, what's number three, number three,
1: I call uh, the hustle or systems of oppression. So I call it the hustle because hustle culture kind of really represents the capitalist white supremacist, colonialist environment in which we are living uh, and the harm that that causes to us as humans. Right. And again, uh, none of these things are uh, so like, it's not like only entrepreneurs experience these things. Everybody does, but entrepreneurs experience it in a particular way. Right. And so like growth at all costs, success at all costs, profit over people, those kinds of, all those things are baked into business training, which isn't to say that you as a business owner necessarily think that these things are good, Right. but because they are in the culture, we absorb, we internalize these ways of thinking or these assumptions or beliefs, mm-hmm. and they drive us in ways that we
0: don't know, right? Yeah, but because they're so baked in. Right. The, they the, the, so they're so den. they're so inherent to what we have learned on how to how to run a successful business. You said growth at all co- costs, year yeah. over year growth, striving towards more profitability. Yeah. yeah, It's just
1: what we're talking. I mean, imagine if you went on uh, Shark Tank or Dragon's Den and said, Well, you know, we've decided to halt our growth last year because we really wanted to attend to our mental health. And we think that that's going to lay a stable foundation for sustainable growth year (laughs) over year in the next five years. They're going to be like, not signing with you, bye. Can you imagine, Mr. Wonderful, what he would say about that? Kevin, what's his name? Gosh, I...
0: I'm here for that conversation, right? I it's there's a reason why you're on the podcast here. We had that we actually had that conversation internally here at Food Biz Wiz this gosh, what was it? Q1 of this year and we decided, you know, this was our year of no and that we were not aiming for growth. We just needed to solidify our systems, our people, our mental well-being and then we can pick up when we're ready again. Um right. The team, took some, the team took some convincing to get on board. They really did, and it's because we're all trained to hustle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it—I mean—in
1: the in business, first of all, I just want to say that is awesome that you decided you were going to do that. And I also want to uh, draw attention to something you said, which is how no mm. opens the door to opportunity next year. Yeah, that no doesn't close the door. No is opening the door for you. How awesome yes. is
0: that? Yes. We actually have a past podcast episode. I'll give a little plug here on the power of no and how it's one of my very favorite words. <laughs> oh and yeah, so maybe we'll link, we'll link that up in the show notes too if somebody wants to go get inspired to say no to more things. But it it was really incredible because we took this period of rest and sure enough, solidified a lot of things in the business, nothing was breaking per se. um, But we just we needed to pause. And it took, it took even less time than I thought it would. And we were able, you know, we said no growth, no growth. And then sure enough, we had growth, you know, simply (laughs) because we, we put the foundations in place. So um, yeah, it but it took a lot, it took a lot of um, mental gymnastics, To get to the place where it was, it felt okay to say no to growth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that hustle culture that you're- It is that hustle
1: culture. And there's another aspect of the hustle for entrepreneurs. Like when we start, it's literally life and death, right? If we don't make Mm -hmm. money, we can't pay our bills. And so that has a very visceral impact. We, uh, you know, our nervous system goes into an alarm state because that's what we need to be mobilized to run away from the bear, metaphorically speaking, right? And what happens, that's appropriate at a certain phase of the business. But once your business gets to a certain point, it's time to shift out of that fight, flight, life or death situation. The business has got its footing now. And what will often often happen is that founders continue out of habit. And many people, many of the other people in the uh, organization continue out of habit with this um, hustle, hustle, work hard, got to save it, got to make sure it survives, when it's not appropriate anymore to the actual truth of the situation. And, you know, that internalized hustle, that internalized, like, I am, I have to do this because if I don't, what will happen? It takes some work to overcome that. And many people never make that emotional shift, even though the business is no longer in that state. Yeah. So it becomes, it becomes a hangover from something that's actually very real. Mm-hmm. Like, I would, I don't, I, it's important to recognize that there is, A reality in this for business owners that is very visceral, but there's a time when there's not anymore and making the shift can be hard.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you highlighted that because I think it's it's easy to read the blogs on self-care and think about work-life balance and all of that. But the reality of starting a business is, is that there is a time when you hustle. There is a time when you put your head down and you, you keep that business afloat. So I love that you articulated it like that. There is that time. And then it takes conscious effort to shift away from it.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. I like the, I forget the name of um, Keller. I think it was Kelly, Jeffrey Keller, the Keller Williams guy. He wrote a book called the one thing. And I think it's in there that he talks about flow as opposed to balance. Mm. And, um, I would like to bring the word seasons. So like to say seasons of flow, there are there are seasons in our lives and in our businesses where we are head down, like you say, Mm -hmm. but to make sure that there are, that there is a flow between the different states or relationship to the business and how you are in it, that at times you're head down and times you're not. So that I think balance is a myth. Uh, I think it's especially like I could just if you could see me now I'd be looking a little bit like Yosemite Sam <laughs> because you know women entrepreneurs in particular were fed this crap about work life balance uh but work life balance for women and women entrepreneurs is not the same as it is for men because women have the second shift and if if we didn't think this was true before if we thought that this is the post feminist era and we don't need it anymore covid will show you i can't tell you how many women uh small business owners who were working from home had to shut down their businesses because suddenly they became responsible for childcare because their spouse was at home and their spouse's work took priority and they had to keep the kids away from the spouse and their business suffered or else they chose to close it because they couldn't. And if that doesn't reveal the truth of the second shift for women, I don't know what does. And this is 20 freaking 20.
0: Yes. Like how is that even yes. possible? You know, <laughs> we were all a little in the, in, ignoring that a bit or a little a little too optimistic that things had shifted more than they did. And then sure enough, it took COVID-19 to shine the light that we were still still operating in some archaic times. Absolutely, And women
1: crap all over themselves for not being able to have that work life balance. A lot of the women entrepreneurs I work with are talk to me frequently about how they feel I'm a bad spouse, I'm a bad business owner, and I'm Mm -hmm. a bad mom, I can't win at any of it. And so the idea of seasons and flow can be that can create a little more space around that for people and give it a like a more workable metaphor that can help them find, find a way, you know? Yes,
0: absolutely. So I'm going to start to remove the word balance from my vocabulary. And I'll try using flow instead. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, what's number four?
1: Number four, barriers to support. And and again, in this era, and especially the post-pandemic era, demand for mental health support is very high, and there just are not enough practitioners to meet the need. That was the case before the pandemic, all the more so now, general public. Okay. But then find somebody who understands mental health and entrepreneurship, who isn't going to coach you to say, um, well, let's see how we can get some things off your to-do list, or well, maybe you might like to consider getting a job. I don't know about you, but if I if another person told me, like, maybe if you're so stressed, you should just get a job. I'm like, boof, you know, I want to how in the middle of next week kind of thing, because it's just not helpful yeah. to have somebody who's trying to support your mental health and telling you stuff that's off the mark.
0: Yeah, right. It's completely, I don't want to use the word inappropriate, but that, that's inappropriate for an entrepreneur, that it just would Correct. not happen for a business owner who's, experiencing different things day in and day out yeah it's off the mark
1: yeah off the um, mark. another yeah, aspect of a barrier to success for entrepreneurs entrepreneurial poverty is a thing we are not all jeff bezos over here making our millions yeah i don't know about you but there were times in my business where i didn't get a salary oh yeah so like hello no salary i'm certainly not going to be paying for therapy all right yep. um not everybody has access to insurance either so you're paying out of pocket cash flow issues can be a problem right so it's so complex do we have the time can they meet us when and where we need to like if we're working all hours if we're um you know there are just so so many needs unique to entrepreneurs for support and so few resources to meet them yeah and so you're you're left alone
0: yeah the system isn't built to support entrepreneurs no that's
1: correct. Not with their mental health. That's for yeah, sure.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Woo. What's, what number are we on?
1: Five? five. I, I don't know what number it is, but I, <laughs>
0: yes, I think it's five. Yes. we're you're on right. five. Tell me the next yes. one.
1: <laughs> so again, not, this is not unique to entrepreneurs, but how it shows up for entrepreneurs is, is distinct from how it shows up in the general population. So tying the tendency to tie your sense of self-worth to your success in business. So, you know, it's traditionally people have careers and they look at their career success and they think if I'm a successful this, then I'm an okay person. Mm-hmm. Same with entrepreneurs. If my business succeeds, then I do well. It, the better my business does, the more I can think of myself as a good entrepreneur. Having your identity be wrapped up entirely in your business and your role as the founder, leader, CEO, owner of your business. Well, what happens if the business tanks?
0: Yeah. Well, it's if not the your fault. Has a bad yeah. day. Yeah.
1: Well, it's so complex. The reasons for that are so complex, and yet, if you tie your self worth to that, and it's a human tendency to do this, it leaves you in hot water when things go sideways.
0: Yeah. Right. What so do you make are, it mean about yourself if your business right. is failing? It means yeah. you're a failure.
1: Yeah. And that's actually, of course, as you know very well, not true at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It
1: didn't work. Something didn't work out. I'm sad about it. It's very painful. It's um difficult to to recover from this. All of those mm-hmm. things are true, but none of those things make you a failure as a person, as a human being.
0: Yeah. Yes. Okay. So uncoupling the self-worth, the self-esteem from business success.
1: Yes. And so that's easier said than done. I'm sure every, like at least 50% of the people listening to this are like rolling their eyes going, yeah, right. (laughs) And that's where, that's where coaching or therapy can help because that takes some work to do, right? That's, that takes work for any person to do. Like moms who are uncoupling their role, their sense of self-worth from their role as a parent, you know, it just takes support. And so if you can't do it like that, it's not your fault.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll be the first. I've talked a lot about coaching on, on this podcast and I'll be the first to, to echo that. It took me, I, I was really stuck in this, right? Where, oh, if my business succeeds, it is a measurement of my success, my worthiness as a person. And it's so interesting because I, both my parents are entrepreneurs, my grandparents, my brothers, you know, long line of entrepreneurs. And so for me, it really was unpacking that, you know, mm-hmm. way back generations mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. what it means to be successful in the ball family. It means that you start a very successful business. So I, I hear you to our listeners who are like, but how do I do it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I'll just say it took me, it took me years to, to really unpack that.
1: mm mm-hmm. And the second aspect to that, which is maybe a little bit easier than unpacking that if you don't Mm -hmm. have the resources to get the support to do that is the practice of self-compassion or self-kindness that uh, and so I'm going to actually in this moment offer a little practice. This is based in self-compassion research, which by the way, self-compassion research shows that people who are kind to themselves perform better on all measures. So I'm going to say that again, because we're the A type, high performing, very high bar demanding type of people. Self-compassion research shows that when you're co- people who are kinder to themselves perform better on all
0: measures. Yes. That they yes. have measured, right? Yes. So the beat down is not helping anyone.
1: No, it isn't. That's
0: right. Right? Yes,
1: yeah. that's correct.
0: So, okay, let's so what would this business, look like? Yeah. What is it? Let's this say look you like?
1: have a bad day. Let's say things are tanking. Okay. The first thing is to notice. Oh crap! I'm having a hard time right now. That's the very first thing is to notice and label. I'm suffering. This is a moment of suffering. That's the language from Kristen Neff, who is the self-compassion researcher. This is a moment of suffering. But I mean, if that doesn't speak to you, you're like, that's my way. Is oh crap. This is
0: <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> hit the fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay, so I'm noticing it. I'm noticing it. Right. Yes, okay. You're noticing it.
1: And then the moment, you know, to take a pause, like, oh, yes. to And to validate, like, ah, right, no wonder. Like, what I'm trying to do is a hard thing. No wonder this is hard. That's my little special thing. Once you notice, then you validate. The second step, according to the research by Kristen Neff, is what's called shared humanity, to recognize that many people feel this way. Lots of entrepreneurs have Mm. this experience. It's not me, it's entrepreneurship, right? It's common humanity. It's what we go through. So that's the second step. And then the third step is, may I be kind to myself? Which is a little Mm. wish of goodness to yourself. But the magic of it is you've already been kind to yourself by recognizing, oh shit, I'm having a hard time. And oh, there's nothing the matter with me. This is actually um, shared by many people. Mm. And then you've already been kind to yourself. But then you could also wish some kindness to yourself, so that you can go forward, like maybe have a glass of water Mm -hmm. before you make
0: that phone call, you know, that's so sweet. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yes. And the beauty of a little self-compassion break is to bring the neuroscience in. When you're stressed out, when the shit hits the fan, you flip your lid, your CEO self, which is your prefrontal cortex, which is where all your CEO skills go, it stops communicating with the rest of your brain. And this little self-compassion break, which you could probably time it, I bet you it took less than a minute, regulates your nervous system, takes you out of amygdala hijack and brings your prefrontal cortex back online so that you are then empowered to be your CEO self and solve the problem.
0: Yes. Gosh, I'm I'm so happy that you took us on that little little break. We have something that we use called the triple a formula that's that's mm-hmm. quite similar where it's awareness acceptance and action all from that Same. ceo mindset right the kind ceo has has you stop but i i appreciate that it sounds like there's an invitation for more for that that um self-compassion in there so i'm gonna have to go and revisit our triple a formula that we use thank you for the inspiration mm-hmm. mm. you're
1: welcome And across all the research, self-compassion trumps self-esteem. And so you can still be in right relationship, kind and caring relationship with yourself, even as everything's tanking around you. And it doesn't mean that it's not going to be painful that that's happening, but at
0: least you don't think you're a shit. Right. Right. Because that isn't helping. That's like fuel on the fire. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So tell us number six.
1: Six. So this is the research that shows that people who are entrepreneurial also tend to have strong emotional states and to experience anxiety and depression more so than the general population. Um, There's the first that I know of, uh, the first research was done in around 2015 by Michael Freeman, who's a psychiatrist and a psychologist in the U.S., uh he wrote a report called our entrepreneurs touched with fire or mm-hmm. touched by fire and it was he who discovered that like of the general population these folks who became entrepreneurs were came in already with mental health uh predisposition predisposition toward challenges and if you come in predisposed like mm-hmm. and you add in the other five things we've just talked about is it any wonder right right and this is the one thing that's makes us that affects, like I've mentioned, these things to date, so far have affect, they do affect the general population, they just affect entrepreneurs differently. But this one is unique to entrepreneurs.
0: Mm, Right, because that personality type, potentially is more inclined to start their own business. Yes, that's right. And there's
1: that anecdotal research you might have heard or not sorry, not research anecdotal evidence that people are talking about a lot in entrepreneurial uh, circles right now, especially
0: circles of entrepreneurial women, about ADHD and entrepreneurship. Yeah, yes, and I think if I remember correctly, this is how you and I originally connected. Because yes. I'll tell you, we've had so many. Gosh, I can't even call them conversations because they are so superficial around this topic. You know, I am, I am very limited in my knowledge of ADHD, but so many whispers of conversation. On this topic, particularly with female entrepreneurs. Yeah, I can't wait till the research comes out. I'm sure that it's going to show really interesting things. But just
1: for one example, that the um, ADHD shows up so differently in girls and women. Uh, And one of the the hyperactivity, uh, one of the ways it shows up in women and girls is a busy mind, not a busy body. Mm. So as an entrepreneur, I have idea after idea after idea after idea, right? I'm sure lots of people recognize this. And of course, that's what you need when you're an entrepreneur. That's what we do is we manifest ideas into life. Uh, And so that's just a little like a little whisper
0: of how ADHD shows up uh, in women who are entrepreneurs, you know, that's so interesting that you say that because I've seen seen research that says Uh, for women, often the diagnosis of ADHD comes much later in life. Right. And, and I imagine it's tied to that, that fact that it's, it's not showing up as that physical, that physical manifestation as a young child, right? The The movement and the thing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Another Mm -hmm. kind of phenomenon is that women get diagnosed as adults because their children go in And Ah. the mom sees how, what's going on with the kids and sees the criteria and discusses it with the um, assessing adult. And the
0: mom goes, oh, (laughs) wait a minute. That's describing me. That's so interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it'll be interesting to see what, what comes out in this research and, and how we can use it to help entrepreneurs. I I have no idea where, where this will take you. Interesting. And the secret 7th. Tell me. We've been waiting the whole episode for our secret number 7.
1: These 6 all potentiate one another. Repeat that. These 6 factors all potentiate one another. Yeah. So, like mixing drugs and alcohol, right? Each one when you makes the other stronger. Yes. Each one of these complicates and makes heavier all the others. Mm. And when you think about it that way, it's no wonder that we have a hard time. Yeah,
0: it makes sense. It's all individually, when you're going through this list individually, I was like, okay, I can see someone handling that. I can see someone like getting bogged down by that. Like, oh, like, oh, you know, that is the nature of entrepreneurship. And yet when they're layered one on top of another, it just, it's just I'm heavy much- just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love how you placed your hand on your chest just then to say, "Like yeah. I'm heavy."
0: Yeah, uh, it can be heavy. This work, for sure. Gosh, our listeners, I, I just my heart goes out to our listeners who are likely nodding along right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and if there's one thing I've said it before and I'm going to say it again, if there's one thing that I would hope that you would take away from hearing this is that it's just not your fault but there's nothing wrong with you.
0: Yeah. It's a beautiful, a beautiful reminder. So as we wrap up here, I think the question on our listeners' minds is, is likely something around, okay, I hear you on all seven of these. I've got some of them. I can relate to some more, more than others. Like, but what do I do with this information? So this would, be, this would be part of your mental health plan when
1: you do your weekly review, because what, what will often happen is people will come to me and say, I don't understand why I'm breaking down. I don't understand what's the matter with me. I've been through X, Y, Z. Why can't I handle that the, the engine, the transmission fell out of my car today? Like, what is my problem? You know, part of your weekly review is to check in with how you're feeling and to be able to look at these seven factors and say... Oh, no wonder. This is what happened. This is how all these things showed up this week. No wonder I'm feeling like this. Mm-hmm. And then you can make a plan for how you might want to care for yourself after the fact. But like it just seems so so much of this it it, it its impact is felt, but out of our awareness. And the confusion and the self blame makes it really hard for people to get out from underneath it. So when you do your weekly review, you check in with yourself and say, like, I'm feeling, let's say you're, say you're feeling crappy that you can do an inventory and and then say, Oh, geez. Well, of course. Right. No wonder. And then, and then care for yourself in that. That's, that's one aspect of the plan. And that's how these seven factors play out in that plan.
0: Yes. Okay. I am a planning person through and through. (laughs) So I can absolutely see the connection there, right? Especially pen to paper, you get it down and you say, oh, gosh, it goes back to your idea of self-compassion. Like, oh, no wonder why when my, I don't know, when my grocery bag tipped over, I lost it. That was Mm -hmm. the straw on the camel's back this week. Yeah. 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 Oh, so as we wrap up, tell me if, how can our listeners keep in touch with you? How can they find out more about you? Um, we'll link up everything in the show notes, but how do you like to keep in touch with folks?
1: I would love to support folks through my newsletter. Uh, and so you can sign up for my newsletter if you, if what I would recommend, the easiest way to do it is to find me on Instagram. I'm the entrepreneurs therapist with underscores. And right in the link in bio is the link to sign up for my newsletter. And I'm, I'm sharing in that newsletter stories from the book research that I did of women entrepreneurs and their mental health tips and stories, mm-hmm. and also uh, information around how you can work with the challenges so that you have some support for what you're going through. I would love it if you would sign right. up so that we can stay in touch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll make sure to link all of that in our show notes. And do you have an ETA for your book? That might be a big question. <laughs>
1: it's a big question. I'm my, so I did the research last year. The first half of this year, I was analyzing the research. Now I'm writing the proposal. Uh My my plan is to have the proposal submitted to at least one agent by the end of this
0: year. Great. Well, you know, uh- our podcasts live on for and ever forever and ever. So when it is published, we'll go back and update this recording so that folks right. have it in the show notes yeah. as well. I would love, I can't wait to see that book and, and get my hands on it. Hopefully sometime in the the next couple of years. Yeah. Thank well, you. thank you, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for for doing this work that you do with entrepreneurs. I I know how valuable it is, and I know how much our listeners uh, got out of today's episodes. Thank you for being on here with us.
1: Thanks so much, Allie.
0: Don't forget about our September sales sprint inside of Retail Ready. We are focusing on increasing revenue in less than thirty days, and we want you to join us. If you know that selling off the shelf is your next area of focus, what are you waiting for? Over 30% of our curriculum is focused solely on that. Plus with our bonus live sales sprint, you'll have everything that you need to keep cash flowing in either by landing new accounts or increasing sales in your existing accounts skip the waitlist, leapfrog the line, forgo the sales call, and join us directly on the enrollment page on our website. Or if you really want all of those nitty-gritty details before you join, find the full course outline and watch our introductory masterclass to fully understand what we do inside of Retail Ready. We've supported over 1,500 food, beverage, and taxable grocery brands in every single category all around the globe inside of our signature program, and we are seeing double-digit growth percentages for our food founders, even as the economy is unstable. It's time that you joined us too, and we would love to kick things off with you side-by-side side in our September sales sprint. Find the info in our show notes, and we'll see you in there soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to this extra special episode today. I hope it was validating to hear that so many entrepreneurs face these challenges, myself included, in full transparency, and that you deserve to have a plan to take care of yourself. So my whizzes, let's continue the conversation. I want to know what you learned from today's show. Join me over on Instagram at Ball. Send me a DM. Tell me how this landed with you or in our Food Biz Wiz Facebook group linked here in the show notes. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode and perhaps what your biggest takeaway was. So come and find me. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you right back here next week. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Wiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.